You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, I just came across this. Are you into this, what Josh Hawley said about our uh, our military and uh, sec def and how we're more concerned about white fragility than beating China? Are you into this whole story? Uh, no, I haven't really dug into it. Yeah, I got some um, some stuff on that coming up in a little bit that's uh, that's pretty good, and I I I'm worried about it myself. I don't think it's just grandstanding. I'm actually worried about it. We got a West Point cadet we could hear from who's worried about the woke ideology taking over our best military institutions. So interesting. Maybe, maybe we'll focus on that some this hour. Still wondering if Nancy Pelosi is going to bring to a vote two of the most expensive bills in U.S. history. Combined, they will be the most expensive bills in U.S. history. Um, at a time when we've already dipped into our emergency funds and uh, maxed out our credit cards because of the COVID. We had the mo- most expensive, unplanned emergency hit the country ever in our nation's history. We maxed out our cards. We went way in debt. And now we're going to spend another 4 to $6 trillion dollars. Well, that's because people are truly hurting, Jack, as unemployment is near record lows again. We added more than a half a million jobs last month, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I'm checking the live coverage of what's going on in the House. Noon Eastern has come and gone. Democrats are working to line up the support needed to pass two bills Friday that would fund nearly $3 trillion worth of programs. Wait a minute. That's the New York Times, which in a piece yesterday said, hey, that $1.5 trillion program, that's a $4 trillion program. They're using accounting tricks to dupe everybody. It's funny, uh, their other reporters must not have gotten the word. Anyway, got a lot of stuff to squeeze in. It's the final hour of the week. First, though, let's take a fond look back at the week that was. It's Cow Clips of the Week. Uh, 
broadcast reports called Mayor Garcetti a waste of time. Waste of skin. Also a waste of skin. Yes. Take his skin. <laughs> Give it to those who could use it more productively. What percentage of the people are on drugs? 80%. The Atlanta Braves are world champions. I'm not allowed to make any comments because it's an ongoing investigation. The person who put the live round in the box of dummy rounds had to have the purpose of sabotaging this set. First, it was in early spring of 2020 when my six-year-old somberly came to me and asked me if she was born evil because she was a white person. If it means separating five-year-olds by race, then I'm out. Holy snapping turtle teeth. Let's go, Brandon. And President Biden's agenda is the remedy to much of their hardships. It's just what the American people want and what they need. As the American people learn more about this legislation, it will be very positive. You can't deny that it would be very positive. I don't know why we're saying it has to be done right now. I have no idea. No idea what has to be done right now. But it's not true. So this is a garbage report? Yeah. Okay. So $450,000 per person. That's not going to happen. This is the most insane policy I've I've seen the government pursue ever. And, and that says a lot. L-I-G-B. Glenn Youngkin is the governor-elect of the Commonwealth of Virginia. It was education, right. which is code for... White parents don't like the idea of teaching about race. I think that the Democrats are coming across in ways that we don't recognize that are annoying. These Republicans are dangerous. James Carville, uh, what went wrong? What went wrong was just stupid wokeness. LGB, Kamala, help me, please. It is a bellwether for what happens in the rest of the country died and left you in charge of all of us as black people so that we could be corralled. The corporations with their woke agenda, when you look at the Biden, the branded administration. I'm Joe Biden and I forgot this message. Praise rolling in for this week's cow. Nice job, Hanson. Fabulous. Still amazing, the reaction of the Florida crowd to DeSantis calling it the Brandon administration. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) How about next segment we get into the woke military problem, which is a serious, serious problem. Um, I'm kind of wanting to hear this because I know a little bit about the background on it. Michael, this is a story you brought to us. Can we hear about the guy who took the two Florida TV stations off the air? Can we hear that? And then we'll fill in the details. This person knew what he was doing and knew how to uh, disable and make it very difficult to to repair the satellite dishes. This is not just a random act of uh, vandalism. This person was methodical in disabling, strategically cutting cable that linked all of our satellite dishes to, uh, to our facility. Florida man takes two Florida TV stations off the air. The best part of the story is that he showed up to these TV stations and said, it's okay, I'm with the Navy. I need to see your control room. So, I, so I need go, to oh. dismantle your, uh, your your satellite dishes here. So, uh, okay. So they let oh, the I'm guys... sorry, you said you're with the Navy? Well, all right. <laughs> so they let him cut the cables. So he goes back with his big cable cutters and just starts cutting cables, took two TV stations off the air, and as, as they said there, he knew something about 
what cables to cut because it made it very difficult to get the TV stations back up and running again. I'm with the Navy. I'm going to need to see the engineer room. Oh, the Navy. Well, uh, so I'd assume that <laughs> this guy was a... Why does uh, the Navy need to see a local TV station? Don't ask any questions. I'm with the Navy. I just assumed that this guy was some tweaker and he wanted to steal the copper from the wiring, but he knew which cables to cut. Maybe he did, or maybe he just got lucky. But Could be. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Well, he, he, he had to know something, or he could have very easily like electrocuted himself in a horrifying way. <coughs> he was told to cut wires due to a power issue saying he was tasked because he lived nearby and was with the Navy. <laughs> hey, Jim, you live close to the TV stations, don't you? Well, yes, sir, I do. We need you to go down there and cut their cables because of a power problem. <laughs> yeah, that guy's clearly a tweaker. It's, it's okay, I'm with the Navy. It reminds me of uh, the first radio station I worked for full-time. Um, thank you, Gladys. Uh, the boss there, the general manager there, was uh, like he liked to play engineer all the time. Anyway, I don't remember what he was trying to work on one time, but he was he was in the studio where I was, and he was underneath all this stuff where there was a whole bunch of wires. And he would like pull out wires, and he'd pull pull his head back out, and he'd pop up, and he'd say, "Hey Jack, are we still in the air?" I'd say <laughs> yeah, and he'd go back under there, and he'd start yanking wires out again, and he'd pop back up and say, "Are we still on?" Yeah. Oh, okay, and you go back and just keep yanking wires. <laughs> wow, that's an interesting way to go about it. That's some good engineering there. I'm with the Navy. Let me take care of this. Wow, I assume the guy was wearing his Navy uniform. I don't classic, think he was. I think he was a, outfit with a little I, hat. I think he was a meth head. Speaking of uh, the Navy and actual military, I've been worried about this. I've been talking about this for years. That I'm concerned that we spend too much time talking about the first female Latina general to ever. And, you know, that's all nice. But are we spending more time thinking about that than we are defeating our enemies? Well, um, we got a West Point cadet who says, yeah, we are. We've got a member of uh, the Senate who says, yeah, we are. And uh, you'll hear about that next. To me, it is frightening. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I went to the academy hoping to serve my country and bring the fight to the enemy. I found myself instead in the classroom learning about how to be more sensitive. And this woke ideology that had taken over West Point really surprised me. So as this vaccine came out, I hesitated and no questions were answered. I figured I was not learning how to better serve my country. I was instead learning about white rage, and I knew I had to leave. That's Willow Brown. She was on uh, Sean Hannity last night as he did a a long segment on whether or not our military is more focused on being woke and politically correct than they are on how we defeat the modern enemies we're up against, specifically China. She says that uh, there's way too much time spent on woke ideology. Okay, that's one angle of it. Um, Another angle of it is this headline that has been making the rounds for the last couple of days. Did our Marines get our asses kicked by Britain's Royal Marines during a uh, mock battle? Hmm, I haven't heard about this. The British press is saying that's what happened. Um. 
Britain's Royal Marines crushed U.S. Marines during a recent exercise, according to British media. U.S. forces asked for a reset halfway into the five-day warfighting exercise, having suffered significant simulated casualties. At one point in the battle, the commando's kill board, an intelligent assessment of the level of damage inflicted upon enemy equipment and units, had to tick against almost every American asset, indicating it had been deemed destroyed or rendered inoperable. So they had the reset from that point to continue the exercise. Um, there's some pushback from the U.S. military on the accuracy of those reports, but there are a lot. That's from Forbes. There are a lot of legit news reports on this story, and I don't know what happened. I don't know any more details than than what I just told you. Um, but you've got that uh, cadet talking about the woke stuff there, and then this also from Hannity last night, Josh Howley. Senator from Missouri was on uh, Hannity's show talking about this sort of stuff and concerned that General Mark Milley of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is not only downplaying the Chinese government threat, but not prioritizing military readiness. Howley, in an interview on Fox News Thursday night, was asked about the conflicting reports about whether Britain's Royal Marines defeated the U.S. Marines. And Howley said, China is probably wondering why it is that people like General Milley, General Milley and Secretary Austin, the SecDef, spend so much time recommending books on white rage, on critical race theory, and are not more focused on war fighting. Uh, we've got the best soldiers, airmen, marines in the entire world. Our soldiers are amazing war fighters. Stop using the military as a giant social experiment. Or a jobs program. Or a jobs program. I wonder yeah. about that all the time, man. I wonder about that all the time. Well, I, I'm sorry. Was there more on that thought you wanted to hit us with? Because I just came across, actually, it was a couple of days ago. I've been sitting on it, but uh, it's an article from Military Times. Uh, Risk aversion and secrecy are costing the U.S. its military advantage, according to the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Air Force General John Hyten, who's about to retire after four decades in uniform. Uh, like many before him, he laments the Pentagon's deeply entrenched bureaucracy. He told reporters at Defense Writers Group events uh, last week, man, if if the worst does happen someday militarily, Americans are going to say, what happened? What happened? Well, this happened. He says, after 40 years, I didn't replace the Space Defense Operations Center. Despite tours as the head of Space Command and Strategic Command, I worked on SPADOC, the operations center, the first time in 1986. That's not a current weapon system. And there have been better ways to do that mission for decades. To that end, he told Military Times, not being able to implement a resilient space architecture, one that can recover quickly after an attack or some other break in function, is the biggest regret is about his time as the second highest ranking officer in the military. Quote, we've talked about it for over a decade. We've designed it for over a decade. And the design is out there. And because we haven't implemented it, we actually put the president in a tough spot with limited uh, options if communications and weapon systems are down. The slow progress because of the giant entrenched bureaucracy, which wants more than anything every single day to protect its own turf and power. That slow progress has created a situation where U.S. capabilities are concentrated in a handful of locations and systems. Quote, fat, juicy targets, he called them. While an adversary like China has spread its capabilities out over hundreds of small targets. He says, quote, even though our fat, juicy targets are much more capable than theirs, they're still fat, juicy targets. So we've actually encouraged the adversary to figure out how to kill fat, juicy targets. We shouldn't have done that, and we could have done something different. 
Part of the Pentagon's hesitancy, he said, is the philosophy in which nothing gets off the ground until everyone working on it is sure it'll be a success. I don't doubt that a bit. So Just got entrenched a... risk aversion. Sure. Sure. Um, that happens with all bureaucracies over time. And then th- this, this stuff, the woke stuff, it's easy to believe how that would happen. When the wind started blowing that direction years ago, um, you know, all through eight years of Obama or maybe even earlier and all this time, and you just looked around and you realized, if I want to go from being a two-star general to a three-star general, I need to mouth the proper words about right. all this sort of stuff, or I can retire. Those are my two choices. And mm-hmm. so you start mouthing the proper words. And what you would think, even if you don't buy into this crap, and I doubt that Mark Milley or uh, Lloyd Austin, the sec def, I doubt that they buy into this crap, but they probably think, I'm a better man for this job than whoever else they choose. And the only way I get this job is knowing which way the wind blows and going along with this crap. And I will try to work within you know, the military to try to get us ready. But... But that's how you end up with everybody going along with this. And it's stuff, at some point, it does some serious damage. I would say any freaking 60-second period spent at West Point talking about white fragility is doing damage to our readiness against China. But if they have hours and courses and everything spent on that, then hell yeah. So this Air Force General, Vice Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, went on. And and I want you to understand, this is not like griping about Joe Biden or anything like that. This goes back a long time. He point pinpoints the 2000, the year 2000, Quadrennial Defense Review is the moment everything changed. The document proclaimed that the U.S. no longer had adversaries. And so would turn its focus to development, not to meet threats, but to increase capabilities for their own sake. When we did that, he says, one of the implications was, since we're so far ahead, we can remove all risk from the development process and make sure we only test when everything will work. And he pointed to the launch of Discovery 14. There's actually a painting depicting it in the Pentagon. Discovery 14 followed 13 failures, but they kept going because they knew it was important. So he said... Um, uh, because otherwise, if a new system failed for the first time, which is generally to be expected, and sometimes is the goal, because you want to make sure something fails on purpose to see how far you can push it, it would make headlines, get lawmakers' attention, result in an investigation, and if it failed a second time, also generally to be expected, if it was a real challenge, the program could be canceled altogether. That's what happened with the early days of DOD's foray into hypersonic weapons, for instance, uh, roughly a decade ago. Secrecy, risk aversion, and the perversion of uh, United States military policy at the end of the 90s, early 2000s. And you throw in a big hoping, heap and helping of uh, woke ideology and being PC, and you've got a military that is not ready to take on China. Yeah, yeah, it's scary. Do we wake up before D-Day, before the rubber hits the road and the poo hits the fan? I would guess not, having observed humanity for more than a uh, half a century. I pray I'm wrong. I hope I hope, uh, I hope you're wrong, too. If you miss an hour, you can catch it, podcast, at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? 
on Death of an Artist Season 2, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever, and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. As you were leaving for your overseas trip, there were reports that were surfacing that your administration is planning to pay illegal immigrants who are separated from their families at the border up to $450,000 each, possibly a million dollars per family. Do you think that that might incentivize more people to come over illegally? If you guys keep sending that garbage out, yeah. But it's not true. So this is a garbage report? Yeah. Okay. So $450,000 per person. That's not going to happen. That garbage report was from the Wall Street Journal, by the way, but he was comfortable calling it garbage because Fox, of course, just only deals in made-up stuff. It's not a real news network at all. Some of the lefty news networks are scrambling to fact-check the president, saying, oh, yeah, yeah, he was just disputing the figure. He's just, you know, they left this unsaid. He's just kind of senile, and it's difficult to follow what he's saying. Um, they didn't say it in those words, but that's what they're saying. It was unclear that the president specifically meant the figure, the uh, dollar amount, but that's what he meant. If we pay illegals 450000 if we even pay one illegal $450,000, people's heads are going to pop off. Well, how about 
how about let's cut that number in half, 225,000 for some poor person from Guatemala. I'm rounding up my kids and my wife. I'm heading north today if I hear that. Well, to discuss that unholy prospect, uh, we have invited onto the show Congressman Tom McClintock of the 4th District of California, who is, as I understand, introducing legislation to say that ain't happening. Congressman, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine, thank you. But uh, I'm just as as as, as flummoxed by this as, as anybody else. This, this this is the most insane policy I've I've seen the government pursue ever, and and that says a lot. Yeah, it does. Well, the if if the ACLU and all of their their bearded lawyers are have decided that this is a righteous cause and that they're going to get justice for these poor illegals and they're going to sue the hell out of the feds, is there a chance that this is like financially a better idea? Uh, no, uh, for for several reasons. First of all, this this is uh, supposed to compensate uh, illegals who who again crossed our border in violation of our law because they were separated from their minor child when they were arrested for the crime of crossing the border. Now, remember, if you're arrested with a child, uh, the child's, uh, you're immediately separated from your child. The, the, you're, you're, as an adult, you go to jail, the minor's taken into protective custody. That's the way it works. The penalty for illegal entry is a fine and a prison term. And what this is doing is turning it into a million-dollar jackpot. Our bill simply says... You can't you can't negotiate this behind closed doors. Either bring it to Congress or take it to court. But you got to do it in the open. Wow. Okay. I like the feeling of that. Let the American people see precisely what's going on. Because as we know, all of us assemble and everybody listening knows, the the uh, consensus among the American people to have control of the borders is well into the 80th percentiles. It's everybody agrees on this. Yes, and, and, and we had control of the borders under Donald Trump because he was actually enforcing the law. Uh, not exactly a radical concept. Every other country in the world has immigration laws, and every other country in the world actually enforces them. And when we enforced ours, we got back control of our border. Illegal immigration slowed to a trickle. Uh, and then Biden was elected, reversed all those policies, and now we have had the largest illegal incursion of our border in our country's history this year, 1.7 million encounters. And what really concerns me, when, when they surrendered Bagram Air Base, that included the Par 1 detention facility, that's between five and 7,000 of the most hardened terrorists on the planet were being held there. They were released because of Biden's policy. We know what happened to one of those uh, uh, the thousands of, of terrorists. Ten days later, one of them... Uh, detonated the car bomb that killed uh, 13 of our servicemen and women at Kabul airport. What we don't know is where the other five to 7,000 are and what they're doing, but I'll bet you it's a very good bet. A number of them are moving right now through our southern border into our country, and we're going to be hearing from them soon, and it's going to be horrendous. Oh, boy, I hope you're wrong about that. We're talking with Congressman Tom McClintock, Republican of California, who I'm surprised has time for us because I know some pretty major votes on legislation are coming down today that we'll ask you about here in a little bit. But on this uh, this money for illegals thing, I just got to believe politically. I mean, there are reports from Politico and others that the Biden administration in-house, they, they really see this border as a vulnerability because his approval rating on the border is like 20% now. But if, if taxpayer checks start going out to illegals in amounts that are being talked about, politically that would just be a disaster, I would think. 
Well, no, this is a very deliberate policy. Of, uh, I, you know, the, the, if you, you can't attribute it to to, to incompetence. Uh, it, it is it is far too pervasive. This is a deliberate policy to to flood the nation with a uh, uh, with millions of foreign nationals uh, who are uh, uneducated, uh, impoverished. And depended upon government, and to give them a, a pathway to citizenship uh, very quickly. Well, in fact, one of the provisions in this bill, uh, this reconciliation bill, uh, would would uh, do that for about eight to ten million illegal aliens who are already in the country. Now, just take that lower figure, eight million. That is the entire population. That's every man, woman, and child living in Alaska, Vermont, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota. Delaware, Rhode Island, Maine, and Montana combined. Wow. Wow, that is stunning. Hey, uh, another border issue, um, the uh, the scourge of drugs on America's streets, this new meth that's chemically different than the old one. There's a fabulous new book out, The Atlantic, published a huge, a huge excerpt. It causes people to develop serious mental illness, not in months or years like the old meth, but in weeks. Plus, you have fentanyl, which is killing tens of thousands of Americans. Were it not for the COVID, we would still be talking about the horrific toll drugs are taking on our streets, our drugs. How much of that well, is coming across the southern border? Oh, um, most of it, and and it's, uh, it's 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 exploded this year. I mean, that's what the border patrol is telling us. Uh, again, when 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 our border patrol agents have to process literally thousands of illegals coming into this country every day, uh, they strip the border of uh, patrols, and the result is we've got huge gaps uh, on our border that the cartels are moving through. We've got about uh, an estimated 400,000, they call them gotaways. Those are illegals who have been picked up on video or have been tracked, but the Border Patrol uh, hasn't been able to intercept them because they are literally processing thousands and thousands of illegals a day uh, at the Rio Grande. And uh, th- this is completely out of control. And, and, and this is, by the way, still the, just the beginning. Gallup tells us, uh, by their polling, there are 42 million people living in poverty in Latin America and the Caribbean who intend to come to the country uh, if they can, and they are. And that doesn't include the rest of the world. You know, we're encountering people from from all over the globe uh, who are flying into uh, Mexico on tourist visas and then taking a bus to the border and entering illegally. Uh, and, and again, we've now broken all records on illegal entry into this country under this administration. And if you ask them, they'll, they'll tell you why. It's because we can. Hey, Jack, before we move on to the votes today, I've got one more one more question about the border and, and every aspect of this we've discussed, Tom. How much of this are the cartels aware of? Oh, the cartels are making a fortune over this. I think the estimate was a half a billion dollars a month just just in traffic, the, the human trafficking. They're making more in human trafficking than they are in trafficking drugs, according to the reports I've seen. Wow. And, and so, by the way, these, these migrants then come here deeply indebted to those cartels you know how those are enforced? They're enforced by the gang activity. And again, more human trafficking. Well, I, I learned on one of my border trips, when we take a child and place them uh, uh, in a, in a, uh, uh, with a relative or a friend in this country, by the way, we make no effort to send them back safely to the country they came from. All of the efforts are directed at placing them in the United States. And once we've placed them with a family in the United States, there's no more follow-up. So we don't know what happens to that child. We have no border. It's just mind-boggling. 
Yeah, we have no border. Um, we will stay on this issue. We got to ask you because you're going to cast a couple of votes today for a couple of giant pieces of legislation, including the Build Back Better bill, which, uh, according to news reports, Nancy Pelosi is going to put to the vote today. I don't know if you saw the New York Times article that's out today that says the $1.8 trillion Build Back Better bill is really closer to $4 trillion. The New York Times says that they're using budget gimmicks to uh to cloak the fact that it's a four trillion dollar bill have you seen that yes i have are you planning uh, to vote uh, yes or no on this <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i think maybe the first thing we ought to ask is well how's the last two trillion dollar spending bill working out don't forget we did that back in february over republican objections and, and it turns out all that free money is very very expensive and you're paying it back every time you go to the grocery store or, or the gas station um, meanwhile inflation is silently hollowing out everybody's savings and retirement accounts. I mean, the, the inflation was 5.4% uh, last month, and it's rising, which means if you manage to scrimp and save and put $100,000 towards your retirement, the Democrats just took $5,400 of that because your savings now buy that much less. So uh, uh, doubling down on policies that are destroying our economy and destroying the quality of life for Americans is not a really good idea. It's not a coincidence that the purchasing power of American families has declined every single month since Biden took office. You talk about build back better. I've got. How about this? Put things back the way they were before you broke them. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. No, seriously, so- I mean, it, it, it was the Trump policies that produced the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years, the fastest wage growth in 40 years, the lowest poverty rate in 60 years. That wasn't an accident. It was because of the tax and regulatory relief uh, that Republicans won during the Trump administration. Uh, Biden has reversed all those policies. It shouldn't surprise us that it's reversed all the progress. Congressman Tom McClintock represents the 4th District of California. Tom, keep fighting the good fight, man. These are uh, these are times when we really need folks like you. Well, thank you, guys. So while Tom was even talking, I was thumbing through this piece from the dispatch today. They're breaking down just the green part of the Build Back Better $4 trillion dollar bill. That's what the New York Times is calling it, ladies and germs, if you haven't heard that. They say the $1.8 trillion is really $4 trillion. It's budget gimmicks. But so the dispatch is breaking down just the environmental stuff. And there's so many billion for that, $100, $150 million for this. I mean, just a long, your eyes glaze over laundry list of money going out the door for all kinds of things that nobody will ever pay any attention to how that money is spent or how successfully or what good it does anybody. It'll nope. just be out there. Yeah, it's just a cash handout. Somebody will get all of that money. Who do you suppose it's going to be, huh? Who do you think think they're pledged to support? Where do you think their Six. campaign contributions have gone? Six billion dollars will go to the U.S. Post Service for the purchase of electric delivery vehicles and the rollout of charging infrastructure at postal facilities all across America. Six billion dollars. With nobody, with no oversight, you know, on how much money is wasted in putting in these charging facilities at every U.S. post office in America. Why don't they just replace them out of operating revenue any time a postal service truck is taken out of uh, service? Yeah, one at a time. On an individual level, the legislation includes an expanded tax credit up to $12,500 to incentivize purchases of of union-made electric vehicles, not Tesla because they're not union, but like GM and Ford, those electric vehicles you get the tax break, but not for Tesla because they're not playing ball. Gee, that seems like a just direct handout to your union buddies.
What an obscenity. God, I hope this thing doesn't pass. $10 billion through 2026 go toward the development of high-speed rail projects all across America. Oh, boy. Choo-choo trains. Hooray! Just, I mean, just it's it's never-ending, the list of stuff here. Well, if you have, in reality, $4 trillion, yeah, there's a whole bunch of things that have to add up to $4 trillion. That's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to stumble to the close. Oh, oh, a gaff. That was a gaff. We're going to finish. We're going to finish <laughs> strong. Coming up. Don't go away. Armstrong and Getty. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist, season two, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever. And the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't care if Monday's blue, Tuesday's gray, and Wednesday too. Thursday, I don't care about you. It's Friday. I'm in love. Oh, good for you. 
Good, good news for you. It's Friday and you're yeah. happy Terrific. You. Um, by the way, we got this text. We were talking about the metaverse, not the new name for Facebook, but the actual metaverse, the whole idea of like we're all living online wearing VR helmets and I don't know. I can't quite wrap my head around. Anyway, we got this text. Hey, if you guys want to know what the metaverse is, your friend Mike Slater on KFMB rails on it daily. Have him on to explain. So maybe we ought to have Mark, Mike Slater on for a, for a, like an extra large podcast and have him explain to us the, the possibilities and threats of the metaverse. Yeah, okay. All right. The, the, my only question is, because he's a friend and, and we admire him and he's just a terrific guy. Uh, if we think he's a crackpot, can we call him a crackpot or, or will we risk the friendship? I would be very surprised if he says crackpotty things. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Um, and there, there are certainly more diplomatic ways to convey that anyway. <laughs> came across this. It's being considered a, a discovery along with maybe even bigger than finally finding the Loch Ness Monster or Bigfoot. For decades, there have been rumors of a giant blood-sucking eel with rows of swirling teeth. One particular guy who'd been looking at it for it for 20 years finally found one and had the videos. I suppose we should post these. I got to show them to the kids. It's exactly as described. A terrifying blood-sucking eel with rows of swirling sharp teeth. Hmm. Uh, Sounds like a a lamprey. That's what it is. They're freaky-looking eels. It's a kind of lamprey. But... um, but uh, Nick nicknamed the vampire fish. It sucks uh, blood out of people. And for some reason, they'd never spotted one like this before. And they spotted it and got video of it. And, man, that thing is scary looking. Make you want to run to your mama. Hope you don't have the blood sucked out of you by a lamprey today. Especially if it's Friday and you're in love. Armstrong and Getty, you have disappointed me for the last time. These are your final thoughts. Ah, that sounds like a threat. <laughs> Here's your host for final thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the week. There he is, our technical director, pressing all those buttons. Who knows what, what they do? Michelangelo, what's your final thought, Michael? You know, a couple years back, uh, 3D TVs were supposed to be the big thing, but nobody wanted to wear glasses. And so yep. until they make the helmets comfortable and cool looking, uh, people won't wear it. That's a good point right there. Yeah, true enough. You're a practical man, Michael. So is our uh, behind-the-scenes producer, young Alex. Alex, a final thought for us? You know, I bought a couple of football tickets this weekend. I'm going to the 49er game, and I'm going with somebody, but I can't seem to get rid of the other ticket. Nobody seems to want to go with me for free to an NFL game. Wow. You know, honestly, I'd rather watch at home. I just It's such a long day. Jackie, final thought for us? I just want to throw this out. Let's remember what the real conversations are. Pure research found that fewer than 50 million U.S. adults are on Twitter. Fewer than 50 million to- total. Only 6% of those tweet 73% of the politics tweets. That means fewer than 1% of Americans are frequently weighing in about politics on Twitter, and that seems to drive the conversation. Wow. Fewer than 1% of American adults. You know, kind of flip side, side of a similar coin, uh, I'm going to round out the week. My final thought will be a quote from Ben Franklin. Here comes the orator with his flood of words and his drop of reason. Good one. That is a good one. Keep that in good mind one. as you hear pontificating about why we need to pass this Turn America into Venezuela Act that they're still wrangling over at the Capitol as of press time. Ben Franklin, BF, wise AF. Mm. 
Um, I might get a t-shirt. This is Ben Franklin. Wise AF. BF Wise AF. I like it. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. I'm going to get myself another t-shirt that says, Let's Go Brandon. Armstrong and Getty Show at armstrongandgetty.com. We have t-shirts and hoodies and hats and all sorts of stuff. People are loving them. Uh, There's all sorts of good stuff if you don't want that. Also, you can email us. If there's something we ought to be talking about you see over the weekend, zap it along. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. If you missed a chunk of the show, it's there via podcast. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Will we see you tomorrow? We shan't. We take weekends off. See you Monday. God bless America. Holy snapping turtle teeth. There'll be order in the house. I'm going to call my lawyer. Gun. And I hate that. There's still an opportunity to join us in being adults in the room. Are you <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. I think that's a part of it. It's, it's, it's really serious. Bro, put the duck back. Let me, say, let me say one thing. You people are a joke. Why don't you just stand up there and pleasure yourselves sexually? Because that's all you're doing. Bye. Have a great Friday, you mother The Armstrong and Getty. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.